Welcome to Life Juicy. I am your host, Mary B, and Life Juicy is a weekly inspirational moment on creating life from soul connection, from higher vibrations than the default mode most of us are operating from. When you ask yourself, but why have I done that? And the answer is, I don't know. That is the default mode I'm talking about. The driving force that makes you do things you do not really want to. So I will take you on a journey of understanding and transformation of the default mechanism into the art of creating the fulfillment you are craving for. My guests, thoughtful leaders, spiritual teachers, and successful coaches, even unknown people, will share their experiences with us. And I believe that if each of us creates our own harmonious life, this world will become a harmonious world for me, for you, for us. So if it is what you would like, let's dive in. I will start this episode with a disclaimer. The following audio and the series content that is coming for the next few weeks can be harmful and not appropriate for all audiences. It may also contain content that some can find triggering and disturbing, so adults and parents' discretion is advised. And before continuing, make sure an appropriate audience listens to that episode as I will talk about children's sexual abuse. So I thank you to make sure the appropriate listen to this message. Good morning, Ida. Good morning, Marie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm going to introduce you with a few words. Ida Blickfeld. I said it properly. Yes. Perfect. Uh, You are from Norway? Yes. Yeah. And you are a specialist of children education. What is it exactly your specialty? So I studied for a bachelor's degree in kindergarten teaching or early childhood. Mm -hmm. And then I'm kind of halfway into a master's degree in special needs teaching where I'm specializing in psychosocial health. Uh, So that's a general topic for basically just mental, mental and emotional health and social health, I would say. But I'm taking a break from that right now. And I'm also working with adults just in general uh, when it comes to childhood trauma. Yeah, but I'm not, I, I want to say this. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a, a psychiatrist, uh, but I am an early childhood teacher. And that's yeah. how I got to know you because a friend of mine told me that you were a specialist anyway in a child work. Yes. And this is this is what we are going to talk about today because the, you know the series we are involving in right now is about child abuse, and mm-hmm. there are different stages in in uh, the healing process of that. And when we mm-hmm. talked together last week, we agreed that you're not a specialist about the trauma, and someone else would have to take care of a child at the beginning yes. of the process, or even an adult at the beginning of the process of the remembering of what happened uh, yes. when they were children. But then afterwards, when uh, the trauma is healed, there are still impacts in life regarding related to this event, I would say. Yes. And this is where you come into the game, if I can say so, and then you're able to support yeah. people. So yes, that's right. I want to share today, it's about sharing your experience about supporting, helping women and men, I don't know, you're going to tell me, and in this mm-hmm. process of continuing this ongoing, how can I say that, getting my whole life back yes. from that traumatic event. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? What is it about this process of um, inner child work? Well, so inner child work is a very broad term. It's very generic, huge mm-hmm. term uh, for a category of inner work where you in one shape or another, go back to yourself as a child. And that can come up through memories, through 
feelings, through sensation in the body, uh, through written word. And there are many different processes of getting in touch with that part of us that's still that child in a way that still hasn't been fully integrated into our adult self. There are many ways to do that. Some people do that through psychotherapy. I personally like to guide in a way that might almost seems like a meditation where I just help the client to access that information in themselves. And then I just hold the space and I guide, but the person themselves is kind of accessing information. And then together we do work to bring that into a kind of alignment again. Yes. Does that answer the question? Yes, it does. It said that when the trauma happens, the personality or let's say the persona is completely shattered. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like the first aspect of the work related to the trauma is to bring back the main pieces together. But then there are still others that are there and we are not aware of it as long as we go in life and then we are confronted to situation and then it comes to us and that's where you can help people. And can you give us an example of what can happen to someone who is on, on this healing process, healing path or journey, I would say, because Mm. it's it's kind of a life journey. Oh, it is. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think it's really important to look at it as a, ongoing journey instead of just a problem that you have to fix immediately so that you will be whole again and then you can go on with your life right we are already whole beings it's just that we still have some scattered aspects of ourselves and I like to look at that almost like pieces of a puzzle like puzzle pieces that are still left in those traumatic events And then through inner child work, you can go back and kind of pick that puzzle piece back and put it back into the whole puzzle. So an example of that, well, there's there's many. So if we're going to to take that directly towards this topic of this podcast, then an example of, of someone who has been going through sexual abuse as a child might feel that there are missing pieces in terms of who they really are, because in a way they lost the sense of self because their boundaries were so intensely and violently abused. And that can create a sense of not really knowing who I am. Like I lost a part of me because I gave that part to the violator uh, because I was so, my boundaries were so, yeah. uh, Respected and... uh... Yes, overruled if I don't know we can use any kind of word so how does he look like like in a situation so someone discovers in a relationship that she or he is not able to put boundaries in relationship or not able to be respected or something like that can be a consequence of it yeah that's a perfect example so often Mm -hmm. in relationships as adults Mm -hmm. that's when we start to realize that there might still be some ongoing trauma if we're just staying by ourselves isolated from people then we might not recognize the past trauma but then in relationship something is triggered and we realize that wow I am I am repeating an experience of someone violating my boundary and it might not so much be the person violating the boundary it's just that we never learned how to have healthy boundaries because we were in the trauma that we were in. And, but it can also, obviously, like for many people, it can also look like a repetition of the actual trauma. That is also the reality that many people who have undergone abuse continue to find themselves in abusive situations also Mm. as adults. So that's also mirroring to them that, wow, this reminds me of something that actually has the roots in, in my childhood. And now these situations continually gets created over and over again. And it's showing me that there is something here that I need to, to look at. Yeah. So how did it look like this work that you're doing with them? 
Well, so a person can come to me and say that I'm having a really, really hard time even wanting to be in a relationship, for example, with intimacy. I'm really, really scared of intimacy because I, I have a lot of mistrust for obvious reasons, for example, or I keep putting like an armor around me to protect myself. And that keeps me from allowing anyone in. And I, I'm not sure what this is about. Can you help me look at this? And then we do the guided exploration. And then the person connects the current situation to something that's just popping up in them that seems to be really old and maybe not relevant to them. But when we explore it deeper, there's a huge connection. And the, the childhood memory is actually a completely like a similar image as this current situation. And then going back and, and healing the actual root trauma creates much more ease and resolve and effortlessness in the moment. And that will usually look like, well, I'm not going to, to explain the whole process because you would have to come and do a session <laughs> to find yeah. out, I guess. And it's also very individual yeah. and different for each person. But it usually, a very important step is just having to come in touch with the, the ability to feel the emotion again, to get in touch with getting back in the body, allowing the feeling states of the trauma. And that can be very intense work. And do you do that in person or you can do that uh, remotely? So for me now Remote. at this point, it's been mostly online sessions, but physical sessions are preferred. <laughs> yeah. But to repeat what you said in the introduction, it's very important for me to remind anyone listening that I think it's very important to seek out a specialist in sexual abuse trauma when starting to do this work. And just like you said, then I will be someone you can come to for the other aspects of life, such as boundaries and, and finding back to yourselves and discovering who you really are and all these other parts of the work. Can you share with us um, a type of result that you saw in a client without saying anything about the person, <laughs> but you know, like the transformation that we can, uh, we can witness. Do you have that? Yeah. Yeah. I think the most beautiful example is someone who, after doing this work, discovers the child in themselves, which awakens a massive compassion and self-love for themselves mm -hmm. and someone who's been undergoing abuse often has a lot of internalized self-hate and it's almost turned into self-abuse because there was no other way to put that kind of out of the system instead it, it was internalized so for someone to explore themselves as a child and then experiencing this just massive sense of just loving this little child and feeling so much insight about looking what looking at what the child in them actually experienced, then that creates this yeah, like self-love is so powerful that it that in itself is massively life-changing. When you start to make changes in your life based on self-love instead of self-hate, that's like 180 <laughs> turn and that has so much implications on the choices that you start to make if you're coming from a place of loving yourself and wanting to start like actually really nurture yourself then life will start to look so different <laughs> mm -hmm. that will that will affect what relationships you choose what lifestyle you choose what work you want to do in the world mm -hmm. i've seen that happen <laughs> there's also just a softening that happens it might not be a, such a clear um, example outwardly of this change but it's just like a different energy in the person it's just like a a new like gentleness and warmth and a safety within themselves. Yeah. 
like an integrated safety and not something that they need to put around them. I had this experience of um, discovering the courage of the child inside of me, you know, like facing such a situation. And anyway, the first reaction that I had to towards myself was to throw her away. Mm. Like I had to just separate myself from her, from that mm. child, because she was guilty of what mm. happened. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's also the kind of mindset we live with abused children, like former abused children. And it was a discovery for me to see that actually that child was really, really courageous. Mm. And she had like a stamina to stay alive and she had all the qualities to continue. And then I could get back my, the innocence Mm. and the passion of life rather than Uh, having what I would call the sabotage behaviors that I had before. And Mm. yeah, it's really true because it's not only about the recognition of the trauma. It's not starting to create a life from that, Mm. like something, Mm. a life that is really connected to who we are at the core and not that wounded person in different aspects. Yeah. And that's very important for me to, for people to know that there are different supports existing in the world and you are part of them. And I know the result of what you're doing because I've been, you've been recommended by a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love that you say how I can be a part of a bigger support system. And I think that's very important when you've been through really severe trauma that you surround yourself with not just one helper, but that you find a big as a support system that you can and that different people, different professions all have different benefits. So if you're working with a, let's say someone goes to see a psychotherapist, you might benefit from also seeing someone who works with somatic therapy. You might also benefit from having a coach that helps you with the relationship aspect. Yeah, lots of different directions and they can all come together and be this beautiful cake of different <laughs> approaches that will give you a really, really good fundament for the, the work. And I think this is like one of my most important messages to actually to anyone, especially someone who's been going through severe trauma. You don't have to be alone in this. You should not be alone in this. You should not have to sit there and do inner child work by yourself self or feel all the feelings by yourself like that is to me that's almost a bit abusive to expect someone to go through this work by themselves you should have someone that you feel safe with sitting with you you should have someone that you can always reach out to knowing that you never need to be alone whenever something arises in you I think that's so fundamentally important to any healing yeah, and it's important to know that it's not a daily basis relationship. It's it's like you need to have that support system. So whenever you need it, you can find that person or these people and get the support you need on the spot. Like when the situation appears, because before that, you don't know. It's something that is so embedded in us. We don't know that we have these issues and we need, maybe it's not the right word, but it happens in situations when we can discover that we have, oh, I still have something here. Oh, okay. Yeah. That part of me is still affected by, yeah. by that I need help. And then yeah. use that help. And it's yeah. it's so important. It's so important to for people who have that experience to remember that it's not a one-day healing thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not a quick fix. We it's love not. quick fixes in this yes, modern society. Yeah, yeah, we do. But I want also, also to say that it doesn't make life more difficult. It makes us more aware of who we mm. are. And exactly, oh, I am not, like you were saying, we realize that, oh, 
because I have that experience, I don't know really how to manage my boundaries and I need to learn that. And then yeah. consciously, mm-hmm. we can become that person who is able to respect our own boundaries yeah. and have, have, uh, have a thriving relationships rather yes. than the old scheme that we experienced. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think a lot of us, even someone who hasn't necessarily experienced sexual abuse or mm-hmm. severe abuse at all, still a lot of us doesn't really learn what healthy boundaries are. We might be codependent. We might be pleasers. We might be the good girl or the good boy. There are so many other patterns that also has to do with poor boundaries being someone who tries to be really selfless or someone who doesn't feel the confidence to stand up for what I think for example so boundaries to me is in general like a really interesting topic that I I love to work with and I had to also learn boundaries in my life having had someone learn like teach me sorry in in my adult life what healthy boundaries are and I've worked a lot to implement that and to transform my own relationship with boundaries. And now I find it really rewarding and fun to work with people because there are a lot of people who actually need someone to model to them what it can actually look like. Because yeah. it's kind of a kind of woolly, how do I say that in English? Like a, a little abstract word, like boundaries. What, what are that really? How, what can that look like in relationship? Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah, and we don't we don't have the role models around us. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. and especially you know in uh, in families where these things happen, it's something that is in the family. So these people around you, they don't know how to have healthy boundaries, even though many people in one family do not have those experiences, but they don't have the role model mm-hmm. of. Uh, healthy relationship between adults and children, between yeah. adults and adults, between yeah. men and women, and different aspects of life. And uh, you yeah, can support right. people just to to find that yes. in your life. Yeah, yeah. There are so many parents. I think even most parents in like the the older generation of today, they come from a time when they weren't taught healthy boundaries, when it was still normal to physically discipline their children or to expect the children to not have an opinion of their own or whatever it is. A lot of our parents has been brought up in that kind of conditional way of thinking. And so therefore, I think actually most of us has some work to do when it comes to discovering. Yeah, Yeah, because we've been educated in that paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. So we carry it. That's another subject that I like to talk about. It's, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's children education and uh, how yeah. to stop the transmission from generation of their generation from one generation to the other. Those yeah. things that are not really serving us. Yeah. But awareness needs to be there. And I guess yeah. you is it a part of your work as well to to do this or not? work with parents and bring awareness to them and uh... yeah that was actually how I started my which is now a a coaching practice okay that I do that actually started with me being trained by Dr. Shefali uh, in her coaching modality which is called conscious parenting yes Ah, a lot of people in the U.S. and now worldwide knows her she's become a very like public uh, face for mm-hmm. for the, the the topic of conscious parenting, so that is definitely something that's like very dear to my heart, and that's also what brought me from being a kindergarten teacher into wanting to take a new direction in my work because I wanted to bring some of the things that I started to become aware of when I was working with children and with parents. I felt very inspired by that. And also insights that I had about myself in relation to the children. That's what brought me into the role as a a coach or a mentor or a counselor or whatever you want to call it. And then it just happened so that I've also taken a direction that also brings in other topics than just parenting or the child 
focus because right. I have many interests <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, I do see the relationship between the two of these, uh, um, I would say activities or that you have because in my experience and in my family, I was, I, I was the witness of this generational transmission Mm. And I think the new generation, the parents, new parents, they want to do better. <laughs> I don't know. How, sorry yes. about this reduction of what is a parent, but they really want to do better. And I think the first, the first thing I would say is like, well, you have to heal yourself from your child, your child experiences, whatever it is, yeah. because otherwise you're going to convey that. Yes. Your children. And you want to convey something that you don't want to convey if you're not aware of it. And if you 100%. don't, and it's not about fixing it, but it's more about being aware and change the patterns, like you were saying. It's more about patterns, habits that we've yeah. learned. Yeah. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I think it's spot on what you just said, that if we want to be doing a better job, whether it is as teachers, as was my case, teacher working with children, or as a parent, or just in general, a caregiver uh, for a child, then it has to start with us looking at our own story and our own baggage. Because when we're trying to use techniques for example, like parenting techniques to make our child behave or make the child become a kind being or how to make a child creative. I think we're going about it in just a completely like wrong way, to be honest, because if I am embodying kindness, if I am embodying compassion, creativity, if I am behaving in the way that I want, having done the work that I need to do, with me, then I will naturally inspire that child. I will naturally create the environment that helps the child grow into a healthy being. And for a lot of us, that also means needing to look at the trauma that has created triggers in us, which sometimes makes it really hard mm -hmm. to be around children because they remind us of something that's still not integrated in ourselves. And then we get really triggered because we see something, we start to suddenly feel something that we might haven't felt, especially I think for parents, hmm. because that's even closer and, and more intimate relationship than for a teacher. Then it can be extremely triggering to discover something in the child that brings up their own feeling of grief or anger or fear that but that comes from their story as the adults. Mm. And that's where they should be looking to instead of making the child into the pro problem, mm. sending the child to 100 hours of therapy. I'm not meaning to say that children should never be in therapy, but I think that a lot of the time we create an issue about the child making them wrong, making them the misbehaving one, sending them off to someone who should find out what's wrong with the child when actually there's something in us we need to look at yeah. first. Yeah, because they're just sponges. They're just, they just yeah. absorb everything and especially things that are not said, not addressed, yeah. secrets. Yes. yes, they got, they get it. And I, I know that yes. because I was that child. And I, yes. I could feel everything. Exactly. And I can see young children, the way they are sensitive. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they get everything, even things you don't say. <laughs> yeah, a hundred, hundred percent. There is so much being exchanged between us without words. Yes, And just like you say, children are sensitive beings and a lot of them more than others. Some, yeah, some, most of them are like sponges <laughs> and, and some are just like incredibly sensitive. Uh, some might have a little bit of a different system where they might have a stronger resilience, but anyway, they, they are still very available for just absorbing energies yeah. in the room and 
And just like yeah. you say, the unspoken, the secrets, the the energy that's just like lying there in the room. <laughs> picking yeah. up on conflicts or picking up on facial expressions. Yeah. So it's yeah. important to, it's really important to be conscious when we're dealing with children. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect. We shouldn't try to make ourselves into these kind of ideal uh, statues or robots that are just like without any human <laughs> humanness yeah. but we should definitely strive to make this about our inner work more than changing or fixing even like trying to condition the child yeah 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 mm. and that's that's the work of a new parent and i see them very yeah. very very into that they're trying to anyway so there are different ways and you are one of those ways <laughs> so yeah yeah that is true yeah and I, and also to bring this back to the topic of the podcast mm -hmm. i think also sexual abuse is an example of something that can be brought through generations and generations and generations and then there are people like you who then actually put an end i have goosebumps like my my yeah my my skin is like rah, racing <laughs> from this you actually bring an end you stop the gen generational trauma by bringing this topic up into the light and doing the work that you do with yourself and also bringing it out into the public that's yeah. massive massive importance <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah. i am I, i I didn't know that I would bring that in the light that way. <laughs> But my first role was to stop it in the family and to bring it to get the secret out of the yeah. secret place. Uh, it was it's, it's not easy. It's not an easy role at all. Oh my I am full of the utmost respect and humbleness. I cannot even imagine. I have so much respect and compassion for the amount of work it takes i know that sexual trauma can be like one of the hardest things to go through as a human being what i want to convey is that there's, there's a real life behind that it's really possible to heal it's really yeah. possible to recreate relationships for instance with my mother she knows that i'm doing this work mm -hmm. and she She told me one of the reasons when I, when I uh, shared with her that I was doing this podcast and it would be the subject and I may have to share about the family and things. I was very emotional and she said, but he, you say you are healed, but you, you, you're still emotional about that. And I'm like, yes, mom, but it's not about me anymore. It's like, you know, during the pandemic, these cases have risen like 60% in families. I cannot stay like that. And I am responsible. Mm. Of, I, 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 anyway, I felt responsible. <laughs> like I have yeah. to do something about it. And also yeah. I told her that it's because when I was in that trauma healing process and I was able to discuss with her, she told me she had to go through hers as well afterwards. And she told me, you know, I was a, a sentence that I always remember. I was in the dark mm. and I really didn't know what to do. But if I knew your life would have been different than mine, too. And that's why I'm committed. I'm like, well, and, and I know today that if I had that mother, my life as a child would have been very, very different because she's aware now she healed her own trauma or she's still doing it. So she has the strength now to educate a child differently. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the, also the purpose of, of this, of being opened about that. It's that it's not healing only one person. It's healing the whole family. If, Yeah. We accept to do that if we accept to, yeah. and if they yeah. accept to, because there are families where mm. parents still choose to stay in the secret, and it it happens, it happens. It does, yeah, it does. And still, if that happens, 
if that's the case, then I want to acknowledge still what a huge influence your inner work has, even, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't spread out into the public, even if you just carried this transformation within you, you will still affect the people you meet. Even if this topic isn't spoken about like overtly, you will still just resonate on such a different level that you will, you will still have the power to affect generations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I, uh, the, the topic of my podcast before doing this series is, is about mindset. And I think that someone who's transforming at a deep level like that brings, you know, this innocence back into the world, this uh, uh, truth, this caring. And when you are someone like that, you transform the world. That's true. Even though you don't, you never talk about what happened to you and you know, because the way you behave. Yeah. How is that? Exactly. And that's what I think this is what is important for you somehow and what's important mm-hmm. for me as well mm-hmm. by sharing what we are sharing today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. So if we want to contact you, if people are interested in this work, and I mm-hmm. really, really deeply recommend this, how can we contact you? You can find me on, uh, well, first of all, my, my website, which mm-hmm. is simply my name. And I'm sure that people know how to spell it, maybe from seeing it uh, here on the podcast. Yes. So it's idablickfeldt.com. Mm-hmm. And there you will find my, my email and you can just reach out. I'm happy to hear from anyone who, who likes support. I'm also on Instagram for anyone who's active there. And that's also just my name, Ida Blickfeldt. And you can nice. slide me a DM. And also on Facebook, again, oh. my name. Yeah. So different ways to find you. Different ways should be, yeah. should be very easy. And I, mm-hmm. I'm usually quite quick to, to respond. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, there's make... something, there's something that I want you to talk about. We talked last time is uh, your experience uh, in different schools, because, you know, we are, like you mentioned, we are caregivers. Mm-hmm. Either we have children or not. But there are ways we can identify something is off with a child. And you've been witnessing yeah. these things. Would you like yeah. to share that? Like those yeah. signs that can hmm, ring yeah. a bell. Yeah. So here in Norway, there, there's actually this rule that if you expect, or sorry, if you have the suspicion that a child is undergoing sexual abuse, then you are in duty, like you're... Um, you have to reach out to child social service or the police. So that will obviously, uh, it will mean looking for things that look abnormal on the child's body can be marks, bruises, especially in areas of the body, uh, such as the genitals where there shouldn't be marks uh, in that way. Any verbal expression that's also unusual for a child. So obviously, sexual curiosity is very very common and and healthy for a child but if they are speaking of sexual terms in a way that a child usually shouldn't be exposed to then that should ring a bell and that should be a warning sign and also just in general if you are observing a child that is more than usual acting with fear pulling back very quickly, if they see maybe one of the parents or another family member that might be the person that is abusive, mm-hmm. then that is a warning sign. And also just in general, like apathy, meaning the child is very, very, very like introverted, not just normal shyness, but in a, in a way that makes you just get that gut feeling. That's also something that we learned in school as teachers. If you have that gut feeling, like something is not right. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something that doesn't feel right here. The child might seem more anxious than what is normal or, or even depressed, uh, have a lot of like very aggressive outbursts in a way that's just not like an anger expression, but anything that's kind of going outside of the, just a, a healthy emotional expression, that is something that also might bring a bell. 
to reach out to the children's social welfare service or the police. Mm -hmm. If there are suspicions that are a little bit more unclear, you haven't seen or heard anything that might prove uh, sexual or physical abuse, but you still have like a just this gut feeling, then you also have the duty to go and see the, the leader of the kindergarten or the school have a conversation and then very much based on the situation you will choose to normally you will have a conversation with with the parents first but if there are suspicions of sexual or physically violent abuse then you report immediately and they go to a special I mean, people are trained in yes. in no way for that. I think that's what we share. Yes. Like there are very specific training for this to uh, yes. to hold the child, I would say, words and to receive them and to be able to decode because it's like decoding. Like you know, yeah, it's it's yeah to be able to understand what's going on with the few words a child can give you. Yeah, and that's a very specific expertise to be able to do that without mm -hmm. putting words into the mouth of the children. You're not supposed to lead them by putting, yeah, as I said, words in their mouth. But you're mm -hmm. also, like the people who are trained in this uh, are good at then getting the information from the child. But what is important for any adult to know is that if anything feels strange to you, If you're seeing or knowing or hearing or observing something that gives you a reason to think that abuse is happening, then please like rather have one too many conversations, rather call out to the child care service and ask questions and have their support instead of just thinking, oh, I choose to not speak about this. This is not my business. Never keep yourself from being the voice of a child that might be undergoing trauma, but obviously also be mindful of how you go about it uh, because there are also examples of suspicions that has been on not correct um, mm. fundament. And then that can also, of course, be extremely painful for a family. So be mindful, but always seek out professional advice and call mm. the serve the child welfare service in your country And just ask, let them know about your observations, have someone professional support you in what actions will be good to take, whether you should report or talk directly. But the, the general advice is also, if you suspect sexual abuse, go immediately to someone professional first and seek out advice before confronting the person you might suspect are the abuser. That is very important. Yeah, and there are also many now. Yeah, there, there are so many professional services where you can get that help because you also don't want to put the child in a dangerous, unsafe position by trying to sort out this by yourself, like get professional support. I think that's very important. Yeah, that's very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you, you can possibly be the one that speaks up for a child <laughs> you can be the one who actually breaks a situation that could potentially be very damaging if well it's already damaging if something happened once but yeah. you can be the one that stops it from ongoing for for years which we know that there are there are just way too many stories yeah. of yeah yeah extensive abuse over many years and we should never ever stand by and watch that as adults even if it's uncomfortable for us even if it takes some courage to report then we we still absolutely have the responsibility to do so yeah because you can be the one who breaks this generational transmission yeah. and yeah. you save a life actually there's nothing absolutely. else i mean you see yeah. not only one life but the family i mean at the beginning it's difficult but then these this you are the one 
you can start a healing process in that family. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it makes me think about, you know, you need a village to raise a, a child. Yeah. I yeah. Love so that. we are, yeah, we are all responsible. Yeah. We're all part of the village. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so happy that you're shedding light on this topic and that you're bringing it into, into the light. Thank so you. important. I'm so happy that this is now a topic that is on podcasts. It's available. It's out there. Even yeah. that is huge growth from just, I don't know how long, but maybe like 10, 15, 20 years ago, this might not even have been such a public topic, right? No, it hasn't. And there's so much ignorance around it. I can, I mean, with the discussion and what triggered really this podcast was a discussion that I had with a friend and, and her mother and, uh, well, they were just wanting to talk about something. And I'm like, yeah, I was asking questions. So what did, what do you think? And what did you see? And then they told me something and I'm like, what? (laughs) But that's, that's, we have to draw the line. That's incest. Yeah. You know what it is? Yes. And yeah. I was I was really surprised about the ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. And it is correlated to, you know, what we talked at the beginning, the patterns in the family, because it's yeah. uh there are things that are said like normal, which are not. Yeah. Oh. My God. Yes. That is such a, uh, that is not a healthy aspect of our society when there are things that are just normalized to the point where we won't even recognize how extremely destroying, damaging this behavior behavior uh, is. Yeah. So that's a very important point. Wow. Just because something is normal and has been happening a lot, <laughs> that does not mean it's healthy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I was really present to the level of ignorance. You know, yeah. it's because we, we as society, we accepted, and I, I'm part of this society, we accepted behaviors that are not acceptable. And um, my goal is to have people opening their eyes and see, okay, make the difference, you know? (laughs) I just want... Yes. 100%. Yeah, that's what it is. And I love that you're doing that. (laughs) Is there anything you would like to add to our auditors, uh, community who's going to listen to this? I would say if you ever have a suspicion, be brave. Mm. Don't be another number in the statistics of adults who just let let situations like that just pass by them because it's too uncomfortable to speak up. So definitely do that. (laughs) And uh, if you're someone who has been undergoing this trauma, then I want to say that I have so much respect for getting into this inner work and um, never hesitate with seeking out even more uh, support because you deserve it and you shouldn't be alone. And we're many people, whether we have experienced this ourselves or not, we are many, many with you. Yeah, yeah. So the conclusion, seek out for support. Don't stay alone in this. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Whether you are on the receiving end of that trauma or whether you're an adult observing Mm -hmm. something like this happening in your environment, Mm -hmm. whatever position you're in, seek out support. Yeah. Yeah. And if I want to add something, if you are a parent and you have suspicion and it's not easy to be other parents, you know, or a member of a family, because it's not only can be a cousin, can be anything, anybody in the family. If you are that person and you have suspicion, please look for support as well. A hundred percent. Because it's really, really difficult to face your family yeah. with this yeah. information. Now, when, when, when I started to talk, I've been told things like, um, I don't know. Many people have these experiences. Why do you talk about it? 
Mm. And if you continue to say this, you're going to kill that person, someone Mm. in the family, or you're going to kill this just Mm. with words. It shows the amount of fear and taboo Mm. and uh, that exists in this environment. So you really, really, really need support if you are that parent or that relative in the family who sees something. 100%. I would even say, before taking any steps by yourself seek out support yes so that you know that you are guided in those steps and that you have someone uh, in your uh, in your back is that how you say you have someone having your back having your back yes thank you thank you so much Ida. it was a great pleasure to have you today (laughs) thank you it was such a pleasure being invited on your podcast and i'm so as you already know i'm so supportive of you doing this work i i'm just Oh, I, I, I love you. it so much. And this Thank has been a you. pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And we will have another opportunity because maybe you don't know. I'm writing a book about parenting. Oh, <laughs> oh I did not know. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so we will have other topics to <gasps> share together. <laughs> I am so available for that. Just let me know. Anytime. Okay, I will. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hi, thank you for listening for this episode of Life Juicy. If you liked what you heard today, share it with your friends. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, you can message me directly on marybe@lifejuicy.love. M-A-R-I-E-B at L-I-F-E J-U-I-C-Y dot L-O-V-E Thank you for listening.